what you do in a B-movie. The end is a little bit ridiculous. I was unsurprised to see that. And it's sweet! Oh my gosh, you guys need to go watch it. It's so good. It's so good. I want to watch it again. travelers and welcome once again to the before and after show as always i'm your co-host mj smith i'm your other co-host ryan buell and this week we're joined by alexis johnson hi hey alexis how's it going okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was an uphill battle to uh get this recording started today but we did it we finally figured it out and uh here we are so um alexis uh what what to for people who don't know you um what, what do you do on the internet, and where can people find you? And uh, I think you have something coming up that uh, people would be really excited about. Um, what do I do on the internet? Well, nothing today, because my computer sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I um, I like to talk about film and TV, obviously, which is why I'm here. And I do that a lot on Real World Theology I'm pretty active on Twitter because I'm a writer. I want to go into film and television, uh, chiefly as a screenwriter, but I also like doing pretty much anything on set as well. And um, I'm finishing up a novel that I started writing when I was about 19 or 20 and getting that ready to be published and available on July 1st. So, July 1st? Mm-hmm. Wow, uh, that is coming up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you so, can see why I was freaking out a bit about my uh, edits earlier this week. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so are you self-publishing the book or? I am. I did it back then as well when I was really young and didn't know what I was doing. And it was just terrible. I mean, so bad. So <laughs> it, it was a long time ago. And yeah, but I am doing it a self-publishing and independent publishing experience because um, that's just the route that's best for me. I kind of like to have uh, more of a say in the design and more of a say in what actually happens with my story. I'm not against traditional publishing at all, but it's just that's not the route I want to go. So, yep, yeah, here I am. That makes sense. So what's the elevator pitch for uh, the book and where can people find it? The elevator pitch. Okay, it's it's a Y-A-N-A, and if you don't know what that means, it's just young adult, new adult. So just kind of that age group. Um, but I think anyone could enjoy it. I, I really believe that. My husband read it. He really loved it. Um, and he, he gave me honest feedback, too. He wasn't just like, oh, I like this. You know, he, he was pretty, you know, <laughs> gave me his critiques. So I think it's good for any age group. Uh, it basically is a historical fantasy that follows um, four young women who kind of band together to save their nation when someone from their past comes to destroy them. I guess that's <laughs> the short version. Sweet. You can find it on Goodreads with a with a little bit of a longer summary. Cool. Uh, and once again, what's the book called? Oh yeah, sorry. Chivalry's Children. Cool. Chivalry, Chivalry's Children on mm-hmm. Goodreads. Go look it up. Uh, it's available July 1st. I will probably pick up a copy of it. Uh, um, I'm not mm-hmm. a huge reader, but I've... Basically, since I've known Alexis, um, she's been talking about this thing online. So 
uh, I'm I'm very interested to uh, to read it. Awesome, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, what have you guys been watching or consuming this week? I know Ryan, uh, and when we say consuming Alexis, we mean just any sort of music, podcast. Uh, not what did you eat this week? Um, <laughs> Thanks. I had a list like ten things off. <laughs> any sort of yeah. uh, you know book or if you play board games or whatever. Um, so uh, Ryan, I know we just recorded a few days ago, so I don't know how long your list is. But... Uh, <laughs> not very long. Uh, recently, I've gotten back into reading some old back issues of comics. Okay. Uh, particularly Valiant Comics. I don't know if you've <coughs> either one of you have heard of that particular company. That... I read uh, Quantum and Woody from them. Quantum and Woody, great, great, uh, great comedy <laughs> line uh, comics. But I've been going into my back catalog for Exo Man of War, which was their launching title when the company relaunched. Oh. Five years ago? No, not five. A couple years back. I can't remember when they relaunched. But I've been reading through that. Amazing, uh, amazing storyline with that by Robert Vendetti, I believe, who also has done some writing for DC Comics. Um, but I've been consuming that, and that's about <laughs> all I can think of. Yeah, what about you, Alexis? Oh, goodness. Well, I've been, I've been reading this book... Um, I read a variety of things, but I do enjoy uh, books for younger readers as well, because that's the imagination in them I find just really appealing. So I found this book called The Girl Who Drank the Moon. It's a little fantasy novel, and I'm really loving it. It reminds me of books that were written, you know, when I was a kid back in the, you know, very end of the 80s, early 90s, when I, when I was really, you know, I was always an avid reader. So it just has that same spirit to it. I'm really enjoying that book a lot. Um, so I would definitely would recommend it. And consuming elsewise, let me think. Ooh, gosh. Well, I've been watching, like, yeah, a ton of shows that have kind of wrapped up on TV. Mm-hmm. But, and then, I, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, so far my favorite movie of the summer. <laughs> but I haven't been to the theater that much, actually, just because, I've been working on the novel and a bunch of other stuff, you know, crazy life things. But I think, yeah, that's the the two that stick out most for me is Guardians, and I really love that. And then um, the book, so that'll be my contribution. (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm... You probably watched like ten movies. Since you know, I saw so you last. here's the thing. I we're recording this on a very rare weekday off for me, and so last <laughs> night it's also uh, my birthday, and so last night I was like, oh, that's my alarm for work. Um, oh my goodness, <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like Vader's intro. So everyone, no, so everyone at work <laughs> thinks it's that. It's the it, it's the opening to the Alexander Hamilton song, the uh, first song from Hamilton. Okay. Um, but I didn't like because I know what it is. I just I was like, yeah, that's what this is. And then it went off during a meeting one time, mm-hmm. and I dismissed it. But apparently, I just snoozed it. Someone and so it went again. off again five minutes later, <laughs> and someone made the comment about Darth Vader, and I was like, "Oh, I guess it does sound like the Imperial March." But no, it's it's the uh, the intro to um, Alexander Hamilton. I have, um, I have not seen Hamilton or anything of the type. I, everyone loves it, and I'm no. like, I have no idea, but I would probably watch it eventually. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you'd be really into it, Alexis. I haven't seen the play, but the 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 soundtrack is available and it's uh 
it's not like it's more like an operetta which is uh that everything is sung so if you listen to the soundtrack it's the entire play there isn't any spoken dialogue in the play whatsoever Mm, okay that's cool though yeah so if you're like me and don't listen to a lot of show soundtracks because there's dialogue in between that's the connective tissue between the numbers hamilton is worth it because it's the entirety of the story um start to finish so oh that's really cool yeah i do love history so that's definitely something that appeals to me yep um so i've been consuming my alarm (laughs) this week and then uh i've been reading through alan moore's swamp thing comics um Mm. which i talked about a couple weeks ago but i'm now on the second volume which i haven't read Mm who boy does, does he, it up the ante does he go to weird places yeah <laughs> it gets rough man yeah. um that's alan moore yeah it gets like game of thrones weird mm-hmm. um i'm not surprised <laughs> yeah you basically find out that uh the main female character abigail arcane her uncle anton arcane who is this kind of psychopath uh obsessed with death guy who in in the in the run before alan moore swamp thing was killed moore brings him back because no one in comics truly ever dies Mm -hmm. and you find out that he comes back and possesses the body of her husband Oh. Yeah, and the all the other implications that come along with that. Oh. Yeah. So <laughs> Alan Moore. Guy. Yeah. And they okay this in DC Comics? <laughs> so that's the thing that the actually the intro to the graphic novel or the volume of the graphic novel is written by Neil Gaiman and he talks about how um not that one, because it's just simply implied that it's not very explicit as far as mm-hmm. the imagery and stuff. Yeah. It basically is like, I've been possessed by your uncle, and uh, that, like, it kind of leaves it there. And then there's, like, one little line that kind of implies the grossness that comes along with that. Yeah. But I guess the, because the, it's a three-issue arc for that, the third issue was the first comic published by dc comics without the comics code seal on it um which is i think i believe that's the one where swamp thing has to actually go to hell itself and rescue abby (laughs) oh my god this yeah this is the volume that of like it all starts to hit the fan um alan moore oh stan lee a great deal for that because stan lee was the first one to write a comic without without the approval of the comics code people really yeah because Stanley, you got the storylines like the Green Arrow, Green Lantern one, where Green uh, Green Arrow's ward is doing heroin. Oh yeah, <laughs> on yeah, the yeah. Cover. yeah, yeah, yeah. The heroin so... cover. That was the first one without the comics. Uh... No, the first one was it was actually uh, from Stanley. It was a Spider-Man storyline. It was something that the anti-drug people had said. Hey, Stan, you're influential. Kids, listen to what you say. Can you give us an anti-drug Spider-Man story? And uh, he did, but because it mentioned drugs, the Comics Code Authority <laughs> said, you can't print this. He's like, but yeah. it's against drugs. And there was a bit of a um, quarreling with that, and then uh, Stan's um, boss at the time was just like, eh, print it. And his was the first one without the Comics Code, and um. everyone was like, oh, 
They won't kill you? Oh, well, now <laughs> we can do what we want. So, um, to, to kind of adjust the fact that I said, uh, it wasn't the first one that DC had published without the Comics Code mm-hmm. approval on it. It was the first one they had published that you could buy at a newsstand or oh, where okay. comics were, like, not at a specialty shop or anything like oh, that. Oh, okay. Um, so I've been reading that, and then um, last night I was like, oh, I'm going to stay up late and watch all the movies, and uh, <laughs> Super did the opposite of that. Uh, I did not do that at all. I watched one episode of the Carmichael show and went to bed. But I did play, for the second time, the digital version of this board game called Twilight Struggle. Ooh. So Twilight Struggle is one of my favorite board games. It's a, it's a Cold War simulator, which sounds... Which is more interesting <laughs> than it sounds, I promise. Um, so basically, one side is the United States and one side is the USSR. And you kind of play cards that have events on them, but also let you kind of take over territories and and wield your influence over them on a global scale. But it's divided into three acts, basically. Uh, Early war, mid-war, and late war. And so um, only certain areas of the world come into play in those three acts. So at the beginning, it's basically just Europe and the Middle East. And then in the mid-war, it becomes Asia and Africa. And then in the late war, it becomes Central and South America because Cuba and Fidel and all that starts happening. Um, it's great. I love it. Uh, I've played it twice physically, and both times have lasted about four and a half hours. <laughs> and the digital copy, I played one time when I first bought it, and I got my butt handed to me in about 20 minutes by the computer. <laughs> Last night, it actually... So the, the game has... The, it, the, the way the game ends is it's either the first person to get 20 points, or um, whoever has the most points after 10 rounds of playing cards and doing that kind of stuff. I made it all the way to the ninth round with the computer last night, which already impressed me. And it played, it basically played a card that said, I win. (laughs) And that was, that was how my game ended. And I was furious at my computer. Yeah. It was, um, so the, the point, uh, this is kind of a deep dive for, uh, anyone, uh, listening and I'm sorry, but the, the way the point system works in the game is it's kind of like tug of war. Um, so it, it has, it starts at zero. And then if I get points, say I get 10 points and then you get three points, I still have seven points. You don't have three points on a separate point marker. So it just takes three points away from me and moves the point marker closer to your side of the board. So it goes back and forth like that. This dumb computer played a card that was like, if this condition is met, you have to give six points to your opponent, and then the game is over. It doesn't score anymore. Whatever the score is, after you give those six points away, that's the end of the game. And the stupid computer had 12 points, and so by giving me six points, the computer still had six points. Mm -hmm. And so it won. It was... It just said... (laughs) It just came up and said the USSR defeated the evils of capitalism. (laughs) That's like, that's got a Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah. 
It's true. That, uh, there's a couple games like that, like uh, Twilight Struggle, when you lose, it's just like, man, the implication of that is kind of rough. <laughs> um, and then the, there's another board game called Commissioned, which is about... Uh, the, <laughs> That's right, the Apostles. Right? <laughs> yeah, it's about the Apostles starting the early church. And, and uh, if you fail... And if you fail... <laughs> God is not sovereign in this game. Um, oh wow! It, it basically it basically tells you uh, if you don't build a church in every city on the board by the end of the game, uh, Christianity does not spread across the world. Man, <coughs> you play these heavy well... games. That's a little intense. Yeah, and the stupid thing is, the second time we played that game, we had a church in every city except one, and I was like, I'm pretty sure Christianity's gonna be okay. <laughs> but not not according to the game. Though. Not according to the game. Definitely. Yeah. Um, That's hilarious. I didn't even know about that, but I have to look that up, because that just makes me laugh. Yeah, it's called Commission. <laughs> uh, it's actually a pretty good game, but... Um, it's like <laughs> Pandemic in reverse, right? Yeah, so if you've played Pandemic, which is all about removing these cubes from the board and containing the spread of diseases, this is, you want to put these cubes all over the board and facilitate the spread of Christianity um, by yeah. assuming the role of one of the apostles and uh, praying and doing missionary work across the ancient world. <laughs> and it is... <coughs> It is not as blasphemous as it sounds. It's actually, <laughs> it was designed with the intent of being honoring to God and uh, is like, usually when they put a Christian theme on basically anything, it is bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's it's not. It Like the mechanics make sense for a board game. Uh, the rules are they don't have these weird, dumb contradictions in them. There's a couple of the stuff, of the things that aren't quite there, but it's, uh, other than that, like, it's it's probably the best board game of that type with a Christian theme on it that there is. Mm. Um, but I yeah. didn't even know there were, that Christian board games were a thing, honestly, <laughs> because I guess I just, I never thought about it or, like, thought about <laughs> looking into it, but yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, commissioned is the name of the game. It's worth looking up. I think it's worth supporting. We we won a copy of it, but um, I think and they pack a lot in there for it's you know it's a forty dollar game because it's a boutique board game, but it's uh, I think it's it's worth it. I don't know. There's there's a lot of stuff in there, and you know the building the building a church in every city on the board is just one way to play the game. It comes with six different ways you can play the game, um, and well, it comes. Yeah, and it comes with a, a double-sided board. So one of them is the ancient world, and then the other one is the world at large hmm. that you have to spread mm. Christianity across. So uh, the stakes escalate very quickly in that game. <laughs> um, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back to talk about our expectations for uh, Wonder Woman. <laughs> And this week, in addition to Ryan talking about his experience with uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, uh, we're getting ready for Wonder Woman. Um, this is one of the bigger releases this summer, so this is one that you'll hear both myself and Ryan's expectations and thoughts on afterwards, as well as Alexis's. Um, and there's also, you know, the 
added stuff of the DCEU and how all that's coming together with a question mark at the end of coming together. (laughs) Um, But Alexis, uh, what, uh, so what is your personal history with Wonder Woman and uh, what are your expectations for the big screen adaptation of this character? Oh gosh. Uh, Can we write a dissertation about that? Um, (laughs) Well, you know, I, it goes back to when I was a kid, because, you know, I mean, I wasn't a kid when the Wonder Woman TV show came out with Linda Carter, but the reruns were on. And that's what I that's what first introduced me to the character. And I loved watching that. I mean, I just absolutely loved it. It's so cheesy and campy, obviously. But when I was a kid, it was just really cool. And it wasn't so much that I was like actively like, oh, she's a female superhero. Like that didn't even really cross my mind. It was more just like, this character's great. I love, you know, that she's awesome and kicking butt and all that stuff, whatever. Um, and then I actually don't, I haven't read many of the comics, to be honest. So it's just like only a, a little bit. But I also watched some of the animated films and, of course, um, like the Justice League cartoon, things like that. Uh, but it's more just the love of the character and the lore behind the character. I love diana's whole backstory that's why i'm really excited for this film because it has the backstory with steve and all this wonderful stuff that i love from her origins so that's kind of the main thing i love about her i love diana's spirit as a character i love that she has a grace and a gentleness to her even though she's strong and can kick butt and all that stuff i just she's very multifaceted and i like that a lot so that's kind of a short version i guess (laughs) yeah um ryan what about you uh, I've always, I've always liked the character. I think she's, uh, been an important part of the DC Comics, un- uh, cinematic and, uh, book line. Her origins are interesting, uh, coming out in the 1940s, cre- uh, creator, uh, William Marston, who was a interesting he man was to a say weird the least. Dude. Uh, he, <laughs> he, uh, he invented the lie detector, supposedly, uh, which is kind of interesting because Wonder Woman obviously has the lasso of truth, so you kind of wonder, hmm, was there an influence there? Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, her origins are, are quite interesting. Um, but yeah, I've, I've always enjoyed the character. I think she kind of uh, completes the trinity between Superman and Batman. And yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm, I actually have basically no connection to the character whatsoever. I never, I've never seen the show. The Linda Carter show. Um, mm-hmm. The I was an Incredible Hulk with uh, Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno kid. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah, I don't have like any super connection. She showed up in some Batman comics that I've read. Uh, there were some Superman Batman comics that I read that she showed up in. Um, obviously saw her in Batman v Superman. Um, she was arguably the best part of that movie that's the only good part of that movie (laughs) um so but as far as the movie's concerned i'm pretty excited about it you guys Mm -hmm. i think well me too yeah um (laughs) it looks it looks like it's gonna be cool and i like you know there's been there's been some controversy about the marketing that it hasn't been as well marketed as its predecessors uh or as you know um the Marvel movies are, or as even Suicide Squad was. Uh, and the way I see it as someone who's exhausted with the marketing of most movies, <laughs> I feel like it's, no, it was marketed perfectly because I'm not tired of it before I see it. Yeah. 
Um, but I think it's been had has had a lot, but I follow it on social media and they're constantly posting spots and, you know, little videos. I feel like all the time. So yeah, I agree. I'm kind of wondering about that. (laughs) And Gal Gadot on social media is constantly, constantly posting stuff from her personal thing, which I don't see a lot of the other, um, you know, comic book actors doing. Uh, it's also had like a trillion posters. I feel like there's so many posters. Oh, the movie. posters are great though. They're they are so... really good. Yeah. Um, that's the thing is like this, this movie's had a lot of really good posters. Every single poster I've seen for it, I've really liked. Um, even the one, it's a little over the top, but the one with her flipping the tank over, the recent one that came out, I don't know if you guys saw that. No, I missed that one. I really like that poster because it looks like a comic book cover. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I don't know, I'm stoked about that. But, it, and so I think it's safe to say that all three of us are pretty, our expectations are pretty high for the movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, should they be in the light of the greater DCEU? Um, I mean, we're, what, three movies into this thing officially with the fourth one on the way. Uh, and uh, none of them have been great. Um, so, so what is it about the Wonder Woman movie that looks like it's it's set apart? Like even in something that people kind of crap on all the time, and you know, with Justice League coming out, I, I really don't think that movie looks good. Mm-hmm. Um, so why is this kind of the bright spot in the darkness, Alexis? Oh, who? Oh, me? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I was just um, thinking about the other movies. Well, for me, I, I enjoy, I mean, I love Man of Steel, actually. I really love that one. And I, okay. and I, I actually liked Batman v Superman more than most people. But um Suicide Squad was garbage. Okay, anyway. But, <laughs> like the, but that's, just, that's besides the point. But with Wonder Woman, I think what, makes it stand out is her and no it's not like just because she's a female superhero and this is her like a solo movie for a female superhero yay whatever that's great but it's it's the character of diana it's um she has this openness like i was saying before this grace that she extends to humanity and i think that will kind of lighten the very dark edges of the dc world which i don't mind that dc is dark i kind of like that um and i love marvel too so it's not really just one preference over the other i just i tend to go for things that are a bit darker just because um i like that reality but i think diana just she shines because of the kind of person she is and the the sort of love she has for mankind is really going to be apparent even though obviously they don't deserve it and i think that's something um that will really I guess get under the skin for people is seeing this character who has a more positive background to her than like someone like Batman who, you know, I love him and I love his story, but he's, he's a dark character and he has some issues for sure. And I think Diana has issues, but they're different. And she also just brings a lot more positivity to the plate than other characters. That's just my two cents. Yeah, it's true. I mean, all superheroes have issues. Get it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but Anyway, that was that was stupid, and I'm sorry. Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Why do you think this one is the? We've been burned by the DCEU in the yeah. past, but yeah, I well for me, yeah. I I I can appreciate Man of Steel, but for me, having grown up with Superman and he's one of my favorite superheroes, uh, to me, it was a disservice to him the way they've been portraying him as this 
guy who's struggling with self-identity and like, what should I do? You're Superman. <laughs> Nut up. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, but um, with Wonder Woman, what I think is making this kind of the bright spot for the DCU is the fact that it's going more with the traditional way of, at least based on the Marvel way of doing things, giving us a origin story and giving us kind yeah. of background into the character. Whereas with like Batman versus Superman, Suicide Squad, it's just like, oh, here they are. Move on. Here's this. Deal with Here's it. Here's this. Deal with it. Which in some <laughs> movies works, but not so much in superhero comic yeah. movies where you kind of need to know, you know, give me some background information and not in these weird little snippet things. Like, give me some solid reasons why I should care about this person. So Wonder Woman, yeah. I think, is going to do that. And I think they had to do that with Wonder Woman because this is her first theatrical release. Mm-hmm. And to do anything else, I think, would be to have done a disservice to uh, to the character and to the potential franchise. Absolutely. Um, I think I think it's um, I think they're doing they're doing fan service really well because it's set during World War One. Yes, I'm correct. Which is mm-hmm. when she debuted in the comics, the 1940s. That's when she originally came out. Well, so World that's... War One was 1914 to 1970. Oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> World War Two, then. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I well, think... no, the movie's World War One. That's right. yeah. The movie, the movie. Is oh, World okay. War. Well, the movie's World War One, yeah. but she came out in World War. II. She came out in World. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I don't know history. Anyway, <laughs> so she, you know, I think that's a great callback for that. I think the casting is great. I love uh, Chris Pines. Yeah. I think he was the perfect choice uh, mm-hmm. to kind of be the uh, the yin to. Her Yang. I don't know if that's the right way of saying sure. it. Sure, but the, yeah. the guy that'll, that kind that'll of do. the guy that kind of is our eyes into the strange Amazon world, mm-hmm. and I think he was a great choice for that. Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll be really good. Um, but I don't think they'll have the same formula for the rest of what's coming out. So I think this will be amazing, but. Justice League, not sure about Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. And um, I love James Wan, but man. Yeah. So, but this one will be good. So, yay for that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think part of it is there are no. Um, they get to set the expectation, which this is the first time they've been able to do that. Um, mm-hmm. As in in their competition with Marvel. Obviously, Marvel's done origin stories before, but this is this is the first female superhero theatrical release. Yes, we've had Jessica Jones on the series, and Black Widow's kind of been there um, for the whole thing. But this is the first like female-led theatrical release, feature-length movie about a female superhero. And because of that, they get to set the bar for how that needs to be. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's super important. I think that has a lot to do with the, what's coloring our expectations because we don't know what this is supposed to look like. So this is the norm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that they're doing, uh, by all accounts, a good job with it helps for sure. But I think I think we might be a little more ingratiated to it if it, if it was a little less good looking too because there's just no solid round for it yet and if it did turn out bad we you know if marvel comes along with captain marvel in a few years and they um move the bar up then we'd be able to look back on it we'd have hindsight to say oh like where wonder woman started was kind of okay but then marvel like delivered on it 
But because it looks good, it looks like what's going to happen is we're going to have to look back on Wonder Woman and be like, how does Captain Marvel stack up? Mm. And I think that's going to go a long way to helping this movie. I feel like this movie's yeah. going to make a ton of money. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, it definitely will. Yeah. Oh, it definitely will. It's making history, essentially, too. So that's a big thing. Um, you know, history for the character, but history in cinema, like as you were saying, it's the first solo female cinematic release so it's a huge deal you know yeah. as far as superhero lore yeah i agree and i agree with you ryan i'm super excited for chris pine in this movie mm. it looks like one it looks like chris pine and gal gadot have excellent chemistry which is oh yeah uh what you need for that dynamic to work but also i just i love chris pine i think he's yeah. a super good actor <laughs> like last year last year for me was the year of getting full on board this chris pine rules train mm-hmm. uh between star trek beyond which i loved every second of and hell or high water which i also loved every second of i was like yeah okay i'm down let's go wonder woman let's do this mm-hmm. um it looks like mm-hmm. he knows exactly what to do with that character steve trevor the way um <clears throat> Nathan Fillion did when he played that character in the Wonder Woman animated movie. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Yeah, he I've was, seen that. I love it. Yeah, he was great in that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm actually a little bummed they didn't get Alfred Molina to come back and be Hades. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well. But <clears throat> we'll see. I, I actually don't know what the story is to this movie, which I think is cool. Um, compared to something like Spider Spider Man Homecoming, where it's like I feel like I've seen that whole movie twice now. Mm. Uh, well, you know, I kind of know a little bit of it'll be a li- it'll be like parts of her well known origins, right. but as far as like what they're doing with World War One setting, I'm not I have no clue. Like that's been pretty mysterious, which is good, like really good. So yeah. I um, also think choosing that setting goes a long way to helping this movie too, because it's an unfamiliar setting. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the war movies are about world war two or Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, and the steampunk look is so cool too. Like yeah. it just visually it's wonderful. So, yeah, I think they, yeah. I think they're doing everything right with this one. Um, it, it seems like it at least, uh, yeah. Do you guys have anything I, else? I love Chris Pine too. Oh. I was going to throw that in. Yeah. Um, I, well, I've been a fangirl of his for quite a while, but, yeah, when I heard he was going to be Steve Trevor, I pretty much did like the fangirl flail. <laughs> I just, because of the same reason, he's just, he has the perfect persona for that character. But yeah, I've read a lot about, um, the two of them working on set together, him and Gall. And she was saying that her favorite part of making the movie was their scenes together, probably because their chemistry was so good. But she just said that there was, I think, I think we'll be able to see, I guess, now that we know that we can kind of go in and look for it. But the way she was describing how much she enjoyed working with him, I think it's going to show on screen. And I think that makes a huge difference. Like if you love the people you work for and she loves the director, Patty Jenks, or Jenkins, Jenks, mm-hmm. Jenks, Jenkins, yeah. Jenkins. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, I get that mixed up. Yeah, she loves her and she loves her co-stars. And you, I think it's really going to radiate and that's going to make a huge difference, too, on how the film looks, because you can tell when people just look like they want to throw each other out the window or they're not having the right chemistry. So I know for a fact, like if, even if everything else is just kind of meh, like her and Chris Pine together are going to be brilliant. So yay. Yeah. I think that's going to go a long way with me. I like characters that have really good chemistry together. So yeah, I think, I think that's going to do that's, that's going to be, if nothing else, that's going to get it a, maybe a letter grade higher than it should. <laughs> if it's not that good. <laughs> 
I love the moment in the trailer where she stops the bullet with it, when they're in the alley. Yeah, yeah. Where she stops the bullet, which is a reversal of that moment in the first Superman movie. Yeah. When he does that yeah. with Ah, uh, that's so good. Like, that's such good callback homage stuff. And, you know, that flipping of it is really good. I don't know. I love that. Um, but I also love yeah. that scene in the first Superman, so. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, I've seen comparisons online to the first uh, original Christopher Reeve Superman, and as much as I want to believe it, that's also a very tall order. I think that's probably the best comic book movie that's been been made ever. Mm. Um, I think it really gets into what Superman is about and explores that really well. Uh, so if, if this movie can evoke even a fraction of that, I think we're in good hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just kind of like, I'm listening to what you were saying, Zari, uh, about Superman. You think that's the best comic book movie? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I don't, but well, we won't get into that. I was just like, <laughs> making, sure I, making sure I heard you right. I was like, did you actually just say that? I think you uh, said Christopher more... Reeve is awesome, though. I'll at least I'll give it that. <laughs> you said more and just okay than you probably could have. <laughs> In like a dissertation of your feelings. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Sorry. No, that's I didn't mean that like like con- like in a condescending way. I was just like my my brain was turning as as you were talking, and I was like, wait, is that what he just said? I wasn't sure. Okay. No, that's fine. It, it wasn't condescending or even dismissive the way some people's okay. Like like you said, it just was the encompassing of like. Man, I really don't agree with that at all. <laughs> well, it's well, you made. I mean, you kind of explained why you think that, which is cool. Like, that's not. I mean, I can't, I don't disagree with your point either. Like, as far as how it portrays Superman, I was just yeah. Anyway, totally derailed your thought train. So. No, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, that was good. Um, do you guys have anything else to add about about Wonder Woman? Uh, uh, other than being excited for it, I'm curious with which origin they're gonna go with. Because right now she technically has two that she's well known for. One mm-hmm. being, being made of clay and then Zeus brings her to life. And another one where Zeus is her father, so she's a demigod. Which is mm-hmm. based off of Brian Azzarello's run. Um, which is amazing for anyone who's curious about that. Um, it seems like it might be she's a demigod. Yeah, that's I think that's probably more what they're going to go with. Um, yeah. But either way, it'll be, it'll be sweet. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it would be cool if they did the out of clay thing. I think it would be cool if a comic book movie did something that weird. Yeah, but I don't think they will. Alexis, do you have anything? Well, she does. She does say that in the trailer, though. She she doesn't say clay, but she says, "I was brought to life by Zeus." She tells that Mm. to Steve in the trailer, and that that kind of sounds different than Zeus was my father, you know. But um, I don't know. I think they're trying to throw us off. I think yeah, she's more likely a demigod because the trailer. Also says, you know, her mom says she can't know the truth of what she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that seems more likely. But then, yeah, maybe they're just trying to get fans all jazzed or whatever. Um, something I was going to add that this is just a totally um, outside Wonder Woman point of view. When I first heard, this was like, you know, 2015 or earlier. I don't remember when they first announced that Gal Gadot was going to be Wonder Woman. I was really disappointed. Okay. I'm not now. I'm like her biggest fangirl. So we'll get to that. <laughs> but, um... I was really disappointed because I had seen clips of her in the Fast and Furious when I worked in the in the theater, and I was like, she's too skinny, 
like we really like this was a missed opportunity to have like a muscular curvy woman like that's what I always wanted was like a really you know different looking woman to be Wonder Woman like you know obviously beautiful duh but I feel like it was just another Hollywood like gloss over a t- you know not using that opportunity to cast somebody who looks a little different, who doesn't look like every other actress, you know, and she doesn't look like every other actress, but you know what I mean? It was more about like portraying like size and shape in a different Mm -hmm. way. And I was kind of like, really, this is lame. So then time went on and, you know, and then I, I got on her train, you know, pretty early on, even before Batman versus Superman. I was like, okay, she looks cool. And then I watched the movie. I was like, okay, she's awesome. I'll get over it. And then I read up on her, how she was like an Israeli soldier. Like she can actually, she can actually back up her coolness. And, you know, she's had two kids. Like she's a really legit person. So I was like, okay, I think she can bring to the character what I've always wanted. Um, But I, I don't know. To me, that sound, that might sound dumb or just kind of like petty, but I get kind of sick of those missed opportunities to have people look a little different than just the average actress or Hollywood portrayal of people. So I don't know if comic book fans feel the same, but you know, she's pretty, I mean, even though she said she like beefed up a bit, uh, she's still pretty skinny. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's something to that, but having read the comic books, I don't know if you guys, I mean, you didn't, you didn't end me, but, um, Ryan, can if you that makes that? a difference. <laughs> Her physical appearance? Yeah. Um, no, to me it's just can the can the actor or actress, depending on whoever the character is, can they embody that character? To me, physicality yeah. is kind of secondary. I mean, obviously she's very beautiful and most people associate, you know, Diana with beauty, but to me that's secondary is can she do the character mm-hmm. justice? Can she really like get who this character is and play it well? That to me is what's most important. It's not does she have thick enough thighs? No. Or like some some geeks were uh, making a fuss about that her pits were oh, shaved. The armpit hair. Yeah. Yeah, good that was golly. Well, <laughs> and, I, and I'm with you. It's not. That's not the most important thing. I just think like um, in every image I've seen of her as an animated image, she looks different. She's very muscular. She's very thick. She's like you know. It's not that she's overweight or anything like that. Yeah. God, no, it's not that. It's just more like, um, I just sort of always saw her differently. So when I see this, like, super skinny girl being cast as Wonder Woman, I was like, uh, like, it just kind of <laughs> threw me off. I think it was more just because, you know, it'd be interesting to see somebody a little different in the yeah. role or somebody a little different take the spotlight. Um, of course, now, like I said, I'm totally on board and she's amazing and she totally yeah, embodies the character and that is what's more important. Yeah. But yeah. Well, it was I'm- more just presenting that idea i guess and i'm pretty sure she could take all three of us in about 30 seconds at yeah. the same time <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah i i wouldn't mess with her <laughs> yeah that uh i didn't know about the israeli soldier thing until, until last week and i was like whoa what this is oh really yeah. oh yeah i didn't even know she's stupid question but she's jewish uh, yeah, yeah, she's from Israel. She was Miss oh, wow. Israel, actually, one year. Yeah, um, that's right. She was Miss Israel. And also she was in the Israeli military. Good God. She's like a legit badass. <laughs> like, her, yeah. Her, her bona fides are set. <laughs> exactly. So, when, like, yeah, whenever I first started getting, like, annoyed about that, one of my friends was like, did you know this and this and this about her? And I was like, oh, man, now I have to feel bad for getting all happy about it. <laughs> 
Um, which I totally did. Like I acknowledged like, well, that was a quick judgment. I shouldn't have been like whatever, but it was more just like, you know, I'm a thicker person myself. So I was like, maybe somebody will look like me eventually and have like a, like a major role and not be like the sidekick who just says funny things, you know? So I was kind of like, to me, it was just more like, Oh, Wonder Woman has some of those characteristics you know, physical traits and stuff. So I thought, oh, that'd be cool. But yeah, once I found out about, you know, how awesome she really was and that she actually has what it takes to play the character, I was like, forget it. I got over it. (laughs) You know. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah, I think that'll do it, right? Um, uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alexis, you'll be back next week to talk about Wonder Woman with us. Um, yes. But in the I'll meantime, my... what's that? <laughs> I'll fix my technicalities. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or we can just do this. This worked out actually pretty well. Um, where can people find you online? I'm mostly on Twitter. Um, my handle is at Phoenician Rises. That's P H O E N I C I A N Rises on Twitter. I tweet a lot. That's my main area where I like to interact with people. Um, I also, yeah, I have, I have a Goodreads account, a Letterboxd account. Um, if you find me on Twitter, you can find those as well. And then I occasionally write for Real World Theology, so you can find me there as well. Hey, I write for them too sometimes. Hey! Um, you can find me at... Um, no, wait, hang on. I have more show to do. <laughs> um, <clears throat> just kidding. We're going to take a short break. Alexis, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this was great. Um, we're going to take a short break and be right back to talk about Ryan's final thoughts on Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, dead Men... Do, something about Dead Men. I don't remember anymore. Dead Men Don't Sink Ships. No. <laughs> Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, I think. It's a it's a remake of that Steve Martin noir movie with uh, Johnny Depp in it. And also, he's a pirate. Um, we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, join us again next week to hear what all three of us thought about Wonder Woman um, based on the early reviews. Hopefully we'll like it. Uh, <laughs> so to transition into something not as good. <laughs> Ryan, yeah. you went to see Pirates of the Caribbean. Eight million dead men can't dead. have bread on Sundays. I don't remember yeah. what it's called. <laughs> dead men can't have bread on Sundays. <laughs> um... <laughs> Almost would have been a better title. I think it's called Dead Men Tell No Tales. Yeah, yeah. So headed into it, you were hopeful. Um, I was hopeful. It which fun. is good. It looked like a really fun movie. But you also said that if it sucked, you wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. So were you surprised? Nope. <laughs> I was not, sir. Um, so let me start off with my one positive thing. Okay. I liked how it ended. Because it was over? Uh, yes, because uh, it was over, and how they kind of retroactively fixed a lot of stuff from the previous three, okay. the two sequels plus the fourth one. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, yep. <laughs> My math, I was had to make sure. Yeah, the previous three. So this one ends. Spoilers. 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 It, spoilers. No one saw this movie, and I doubt anyone else will. Yeah. So crux of the movie is. Uh, Will Turner, the hero from the very original Pirates movie, mm-hmm. uh, is cursed because of what happens in Pirates 2 and 3. And he's now the captain of the Flying Dutchman, the dude that gathers souls up from all the dead people that go to sea, because apparently that's plentiful. 
So yeah, Davy Jones Locker. Davy Jones Locker. That whole deal. Anyway, plot of the movie is his son, Will Turner's son. Okay, so you were right. It was. This is yeah, his son. His whole purpose is to find the Trident of Poseidon and somehow end the curse for his father, so his father can be on shore again. Man, that's really good on paper. It sounds cool. Executed very poorly. Yeah, I guess so. Because you've got... So that's his storyline. You've got Captain Jack in this movie, who is kind of at the end of his rope. He's not doing great. He, the, His intro, he is kind of down on his luck. Which so he's not, Johnny Depp. He's Johnny Depp, very much. <laughs> uh, and so he's kind of at this, like, well, I've got nothing else to do, and literally is covered in pig crap at one point, and just not doing great. So... And then you've got this other girl, I can't remember her name, uh, and she is, everyone thinks she's a witch, but she's just really, really smart. She's an astrologer, and what she calls a horologist, which they had a real great fun time saying that, because, you know, It whore. sounds like whore. <laughs> yeah, and I just thought that was stupid. Anyways, and she's got, uh, her father left her a diary, which will lead to Poseidon's trident and so all three of these coalesce and they eventually end up on a ship out to sea trying to find the trident meanwhile you've got oh my gosh it keeps going Uh uh-huh yeah meanwhile you've got captain salazar who is that javier bardem yeah javier the main villain of the movie uh he has been trapped in this mountain uh and he wants to kill jack sparrow wants to have revenge on him because when jack sparrow was young he kind of ruined things for him and killed his crew and all that and you get a little bit about why Jack Sparrow, how he got certain things, horrible CGI face and yeah. all that terrible <clears throat> ah, crap. Anyways, so he gets released from this cave and he's hunting down Jack Sparrow and everything and adventure uh, ensues. Um, my critiques of the movie. So first off, yeah. all of that actually sounds decent on yeah, paper. It, it sounds interesting. Uh, I liked Salazar's character. I thought he was... I mean, he to me, he was the best kind of acting that was done in the whole movie. Um, but it just was... It, for me, it fell flat. Like, Is it because there's too many moving parts? Yeah, there's just too much going on, and none of it is given any weight. Ooh. Like, none of it is given any weight. Like, Johnny yeah. Depp's performance... I've, I've heard several reviews. I don't want to just be a copycat of them, but it, it holds true. He's, at this point, just a character of a caricature. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just Jack... It's just... It literally... You don't feel like you're watching a character. You're just watching Don, Johnny Depp just act silly. Right. Like, even from his intro to the end of the movie, you feel no weight. Like, there were, like, two scenes where, like, oh, there's a little bit of legitimate acting... But nothing, nowhere near as good as what he was in the first movie. First movie, he was all the silliness that we expect. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But there were those moments where, like, this guy's smarter than he's letting on. Right. Like, which to me was the appeal of the character in the first. Like, he was weird and quirky, but you thought, like the Joker, like, he acts like he doesn't know what he's doing, but secretly he's kind of manipulating things to the way he wants, which I think made the character great. But then two, three, four, and then this one. He's just kind of reacting to, like, mm. oh, crap is happening to me, and I'm just going to look at my bumbling adventures. That's pretty much all he does. Uh, the guy that played Will Turner's son, don't remember the actor's name. Ugh, just why? Pretty face, not great acting. Okay. Felt like, and you know me. This is technically a father-son story. Yeah. Which, and the opposite, when that started, I was like, okay, 
I could be on board with this. This could be the emotional link that makes me go, okay, I could dig this movie. Nope. <laughs> because Orlando Bloom's acting tied with this guy, it's just, it was like dead fish kissing. <laughs> it just, nope. I, nobody <laughs> wants to see this. Um, didn't, How didn't much work. is Orlando Bloom in it? He's in the beginning for about five minutes and he's in the end for about five minutes okay and Kira knightley does make a she comes in but she has no lines <laughs> she has no, no lines. she's just there and her and orlando bloom embrace families together again so i like that i kind of liked okay they kind of gave us back the happy ending that we got from the first one because gore verbinski had to bring his weird mythos into mm-hmm. it all and mm-hmm. touch of destiny and all that weird crap so i like that but acting was just not that great um, and the plot just moves so slow. And even though all the fantastical stuff, the C- CGI was interesting, I just didn't care because there was no real weight given to Jack's character. To, there wasn't, because there was so much going on, I just didn't care. Right. Like, so did uh, any of the set pieces stand out to you even a little bit like i heard the opening scene is pretty cool with a safe i think yeah um, that to like me like a fast fast five style safe yeah, chase it was like that to me it was a little bit i mean obviously it's in a this these movies are quote-unquote fantasy not in the terms of like lord of the rings mm-hmm. fantasy but they're fantastical right i mean so, supernatural stuff happens yeah too. supernatural so there's there can be a little bit of a leeway to be like well this you know you could forgive certain things but that the the safe chase scene to me was just so ridiculous, it and over the top. It was just it pulled me out of the movie, because they attach this cord to a safe, but the safe pulls the whole building with it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't understand physics or certain things about structures, but I'm pretty sure it would take more than a dozen horses to pull a safe and a house. I'm pretty sure you need more. It just doesn't look like that would work. <laughs> um, I mean, the the movie was pretty. Like it had it had like it looked good, but there was just no connecting to the characters. Would it have been more interesting if it was just called Ghost Shark? And it's just about all the ghost sharks. Because yeah. that was the only thing that improved, that in- piqued my interest was all the ghost sharks. That scene was that scene was creepy. If they had made uh, that scene, if they had made it more about that, that would have been terrifying. But then you would have just had Jaws. Ghost Jaws. <laughs> ghost Jaws. I'm down. I'm so... wearing a Jaws t-shirt as we speak. <laughs> I So we're not recording at my house, and I had to bring Jaws with me to feel safe recording. Because <laughs> I'm always looking at a Jaws poster. You're always looking at a Jaws poster, and I'm not wearing my Jaws shoes as I usually am. I'm wearing flip-flops, so I had to wear my Jaws shirt. <laughs> it's my safety blanket, man. What can I say? <laughs> I just need Jaws somewhere. Um, yeah, that scene, that was an interesting scene, but, I mean, ultimately, just another, hey, look, CG. Yeah. Um... But yeah, just there was there was good potential for Jack's story, especially with him kind of being down on his luck. Things are not going great, you know. Like there was there was there was potential for some good character moments, mm-hmm. but it just was glossed over, and Johnny Depp just was kind of like, ha ha ha, you know. <laughs> uh huh. I don't know how else to describe it except that. So my 
And I was telling you earlier, I almost fell asleep during the movie. Yeah, cause... which is crazy because it's the shortest Pirates movie by about 20 minutes. Uh, it felt forever. Like, it just... How's it... Paul McCartney in it? He's got, like, two minutes in it. He was, I mean, he was fine. Uh, he, You find out Paul McCartney, the actor, is playing Jack's um, uncle. And he has a real quick exchange with him, basically saying... Uh, it was kind of funny dialogue, but just like, you know, if they try and disembowel you, ask for Herbert. He'll leave your feet alone. <laughs> pretty much is what he it boiled down to. That's and pretty great. If they try to hang you, you know, mention my name, it'll be quick. <laughs> oh, I like that. You I know, don't think that's a good use of just like having Paul McCartney around. Yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't terrible, but it just, for me, it was just like, okay. All right, cameo. This is, yeah. So I had heard that this was basically The Force Awakens for a franchise that has not been go- gone long enough to warrant a Force Awakens. Uh, kind of. Yeah, you, you've you got the, the Will Turner character and Will Turner's son. You've got the Kira Knightley sassy kind of lady who kind of, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. don't, don't take nothing from nobody and, you know, does things her own way. Um, uh, spoilers... Uh, Barbosa is in it, which oh, yeah. I'm, to me he shouldn't be alive. It invalidates the first movie. Yeah, I agree. Anyways, <clears throat> he's in it, and you come to find out uh, that the girl is his daughter. That gets oh. revealed in the, which was an interesting twist. Um, and he actually dies at the end of the movie, saving her life, quote unquote, in a weird timing. Um, trying to be an emotional scene but it was too cgi to oh, mm-hmm. be emotional um and then she recovered real quick <laughs> oh you're my dad yes i'm barbosa i hated you before but this little moment has made that possible haha dead well see you later see you later <laughs> moving on um so yeah i i did not like it i cannot recommend anyone go see it so does it and does it bring an end to the Pirates movies? Because I keep hearing that it is, but it's also... It didn't do well here, but it mm. did do pretty well internationally. It brings... I think it brings closure to the first four. Okay. So now I think I think they've wrapped everything up with Will and Elizabeth Turner. Mm-hmm. And now the family that's there. I think they've wrapped it up. Jack's got the Black Pearl back. He's... It, it, it ended very much like the first one did, where everyone's kind of got their own happy ending, and hey, more adventures could ensue. Mm-hmm. If it ends here, I think that's fine. Like, on a story, like, even though I didn't like the movie, I did like how it ended, like, right. as a story. Like, okay, cool. It feels bookended. It does feel bookended. So mm-hmm. if it ended here, great. But I can see them now having more freedom mm-hmm. in that they could make more if they wanted to. Um, I think I, it's left open for that. I can certainly... I don't see why they can't. I hope they don't. Right. But um, I, I don't see why they wouldn't. Bring the rock in. Just put the rock in the sixth one. <laughs> saved other franchises. Fast and Furious Pirates Edition. <laughs> they ripped off the safe trace from Fast Five at oh, the beginning of this one. Yeah. Yeah. I... Uh, yeah. It was... It was disappointing. I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be fun, but it's two for two so far, man. King exactly. Arthur was crap, and well, right. hopefully Wonder Woman will be good. I got high hopes. I do too. Um, I do too. And uh, embargo was lifted on the reviews, so based on that, I'm pretty on the hype train for that. Yeah. And then you get a couple weeks off after that. Yeah. 
time to breathe, trying to catch up. I I got so many movies I still need to see. Yeah. But um. But yeah, pirates. I gave it an R. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that joke happened. <laughs> And it was terrible. I don't know if I edited that out of the last episode or not. <laughs> Did it I don't remember <laughs> at all. But this one, it's not. Nope, it sure isn't. Um, well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week with uh, Alexis Johnson to talk about our final thoughts on Wonder Woman. And I'm... Oh, man! I'm going to be giving my expectations for uh, the cruise missile's latest... The mummy. <laughs> um, oh man, I gotta go see the mummy this week, next week, whenever. Next week, man. Maybe I'll go see it with you. We'll share the burden. Okay. I kind of want to see it. Just really? To be like, yeah, it might be fun. Maybe. I hope so. Our <laughs> gosh, I don't think to. so. Golly, <laughs> that's gonna be a fun one. That's gonna be a fun couple weeks. Um. You can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, any RSS burner that you can put on your Android device. Just search the before and after show. You'll find it there. You can find me on YouTube at uh, Real Perspective. That's R-E-E-L Perspective. This week we have a game space for you guys. And if you check out last week's episode of Real Perspective, myself and Mike Moria asked the question... Will it Johnny Depp? Um, that was a deep cut for you, Rhett and Link fans out there. Um, Be your mythical best. We, uh, we, no, we, we asked the question, is Johnny Depp a good actor? Um, that is the title of the episode. And it, my, the power of clickbait, you guys. This thing got 24 views in 24 hours. Nice. I have no idea how. <laughs> um also, I know I've been talking about this the last couple weeks, but it finally got released. I was on, well, I was on the Real World Theology podcast to talk about Passengers. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that yet, go do so. But just this week, um, on Monday of this week, I was on the Hey Whatcha Watchin' pod, part of Talk Film Society. That's Talk, T-A-L-K, like talking about movies. Um, talk Film Society. They have several podcasts. They released eight and a half hours worth of podcasts on Monday. So um, go give them a listen. The Hey What You Watching podcast, it's uh, essentially the What Have You Been Consuming This Week stretched out into a two-hour podcast. Uh, it is much longer than what we usually do here. Um, it's myself and Marcelo Pico and uh, Matt C., whose last name I can't pronounce, um, over there. It is a little uh, less uh, family-friendly than... Um, um, what we do here, uh, there's a lot more violence in that podcast. Um, it's a lot gorier, the podcast is. Um, like you guys fight? Yeah, we fought. We fought over Skype and stabbed each other. Uh, I was what? I was waiting for that to land in your brain. I was like, is he just going to let me say that the podcast is gory? <laughs> just here listening and I'm like, uh-uh. It's like no. Fight Club. No, no, no. It's it's for language reasons. It's not too crazy. The last little, the last maybe ten seconds are. But other than that, it's uh, it's it's not too bad. But it is, you know, if you usually listen with your kids around, maybe don't uh, that. But um, yeah, it was it was real fun. I got to talk about Night of the Hunter, which is an incredible movie that I didn't get a chance to talk about here because I talked about it over there. Mm. It is one of the best movies I've seen in a long time. Go listen to it. Also, at the end of that episode, me and Matt play Movie Password, and I help him set a new record on that game. So 
go listen to that. The clues I give make me laugh a lot. Uh, so go listen to that at talkfilmsociety.com, realworldtheology.com, R-E-E-L, worldtheology.com. Once again, get it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MJSmith891. You can find my writing at keithlovesmovies.com and Word of the Nerd. I'm all over the internet. I have another podcast coming up this month, probably, that I'm going to be guesting on. Uh, yeah, my you're going to be tired of seeing my ugly mug on the internet pretty soon, I think. Nice. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, until next time, go. We recorded this episode in pieces, so go watch a movie we talked about. <laughs> cool catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Makana-san. Makana-san. <laughs> <laughs>